Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Warning The following episode includes tantric astrology, station wagons, a go and folk song the PBS kids show Arthur, the scattering of ashes, back scratches, and coming to term with a father's passing. Sensitive listeners, please take care. This is Peter Kaplan, the legendary editor at the New York Observer. Editors were like movie directors, and they worked with the writers. He had this old piece of advice that I think about a lot. When one of his writers was struggling with writer's block, he'd say, Take out all your material and write a beginning. And then another, and another, and keep going. And pretty soon you'll have this page full of beginnings. And even if that doesn't lead you where you want to go, you can step back and admire it and think, isn't that a beautiful thing? I've always loved that image, a bouquet full of beginnings, promises, paths to explore. And I wonder, does it work the same for endings? From Kaleidoscope and iHeart Podcast, I'm Mangesh Hatikudur. This is Skyline Drive. This is me on my last full day in India, 
I've been in the car since 4 a.m. and I couldn't sleep the night before from sheer excitement. In Chennai, Mark said I wouldn't find the resolution I needed in astrology. I wasn't going to soothe my heartache with a reading or find direction in prophecies. The thing is, I was still clinging desperately to this idea of making a joyous astrology show and ignoring my emotions. He said I needed something else. He said, you need to go to that home. And I knew what he meant. Somewhere along our trip, I had told him about Jin House, an old family home tucked away in Hubli, a town in the southern state of Karnataka. As a kid, I spent so many summers there, playing badminton on the lawn, reading on the veranda, dipping my toes in the well out back, and just soaking in all this love and attention that my relatives there gave me. Until I was in my teens, I thought Jin House got the name because of all the warmth and entertaining and celebrating that took place there. But the gin actually referred to the cotton gins and working mills in the back. But this house and the grounds wasn't just a wondrous place for me to spend my summer days running around and exploring. The house was a life raft for both my grandfather and my father when each of them was at sea. When my grandfather lost his businesses in his old age, this is where he picked himself up and focused on his writing. When my father had failed out of college at just 15, this is where his aunt pleaded for him to be sent, to be given one more chance. So he came and he flourished. And it was just as magical and transformative for him. It's where he stood third in all university exam and learned woodworking and swam in the giant water tank out back and embraced his cousins like siblings. And it's where, through the love of his aunt, he finally learned firsthand what it was like to have a mother. For months now, I felt incomplete. In the absence of my father, I don't really have a sense of who I'm supposed to be. I've kept moving, trying to tell myself I was okay, putting my energy into the startup for this show. I hadn't actually cried and as my wife, Lizzie, has told me, I've been distant. I, now that I have a mic, uh, are you yeah. going to complain about me the way you want to complain I'm about me? I'm happy to complain about you on mic or off mic. <laughs> so I have mentioned over and over in the show that I'm not entirely present, and I know mm-hmm. I definitely feel that. But can you talk a little bit about your perspective on that? <laughs> I mean... I've said to you that I think that this show and working on this has been a wonderful gift because if you aren't given something like that, then you are one who puts things away. It's not good for a person. It's not good for you. It's not good for any person. So I'm glad that you're not doing that. But also, you basically have like a job on a job at a time when the kids are also grieving. It's been a hard time to have you be kind of constantly either literally not there or there, but, you know, half there. You're like half in and half out. I keep thinking about that um, Dimitri Martin quote where he said that, uh, I guess he lost both his parents in pretty yeah. quick succession or lost one of his parents. His mom. In, yeah, a mom in college or something. And, and he wrote a line that was, uh, losing a parent is the first hardest thing. Mm. Yeah. Your dad is who you are. And how you imagine your future, which I think has been a lot of this experience views like, okay, well, what kind of person am I going to be? And what's my life trajectory? I think that like grief is gigantic. It's like swimming in an ocean and 
like finding shallow parts where you can kind of stand for a bit and then, you know, the Mariana Trench where you, <laughs> you don't want to be for very long. But um, it's just like you keep swimming and hopefully over time you find warmer and shallower waters. But I guess using that same metaphor, I guess you've become a stronger swimmer through this and I, we can't be a part of that, you know. So, yeah, maybe you've been less present, but maybe that's just natural. You know, maybe the best thing we could do is kind of try to take care of ourselves for the meantime and be there when you come back. And it's not that I think visiting Gin House will solve that feeling for me exactly, but I wonder if it can put me on firmer footing. That is, if we ever make it there. This drive feels endless. Which was always my dad's favorite kind. We racked up over 350,000 miles in our Volvo station wagon, the one my family got when I was four, driving across Nova Scotia and West Virginia, the Outer Banks, where that one time we drove to Quebec City because our dog, Shap, who was ill with a thyroid disease, needed to drink holy water from St. Anne de Beaupre, a cathedral there. We'd adopted our dog from a Catholic family, and somehow my mom got the idea that we needed to respect my dog's religious background. So we did. Anyway, we spent those hours and miles singing and arguing and playing word games. We pulled over to sample peaches and found streams to cool our heels in. And we asked for directions. Lots of directions. And after hours of driving, when the sky turned dark and our stomachs were full, the car got quiet. My mom and sister would fall asleep. My dad kept pushing ahead and me, I'd stare out the window. We moved across highways and country roads, often until one or two in the morning. Sometimes I tried to find the rhythm of the tower lights, guessing when the next beam would shine down on the car. Often I'd look higher, wishing on the first star I spotted or tracing my fingers across constellations, both real and imagined. And eventually I'd give in to sleep, knowing that in this car, under this magnificent sky, I could close my eyes feeling safe, loved, always moving forward. And now, as I stare out the window at rural Karnataka, I finally, finally let tears stream down my face. And I let go of everything I've been holding in. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chapter 2 White Magic This is Dr. Vijay Narayan a tantric astrologer. From the age of five, the only thing I know about life is to how to heal people. For all of the astrologers we'd met or hunted for in Chennai, there were so many disappointments, except for this one. Around town, Dr. Vijay has a reputation as a quote, five-star astrologer, and he agreed to meet with us after his TV appearance that morning. To tell you the truth, I did not have high hopes. The words five-star TV astrologer? I mean, I pictured an astro televangelist. And as we waited in his sitting room, sweating from the Chennai heat, all I was thinking about was how many days we'd wasted and what were we really going to learn here? But when he welcomed us into his humble office with just enough space for a desk and some chairs, it just felt different. I'm not a normal person to live a normal life. He's right. Very little about Dr. Vijay's story is normal. Before him, his parents had six daughters. My great-grandfather told my mother and my father, stating that your seventh uh, baby will be a son. And uh, by worshipping Kali, uh, Ma Kali, the genes will be changed from a female to a male. Through prayers and offerings, they supposedly changed the sex of their child. But that meant he'd also have to carry the burden of sustaining the family business. Vijay practices tantric astrology, an astrology he refers to as white magic. It's about using esoteric knowledge to reduce people's pain and relieve them of their negative karmic pressures. It can mean reversing curses, preventing infidelities, fighting witchcraft. And as he tells me, there are fewer than 100 people in all of India, maybe even half of that, who practice it. His father and grandfather did this work too, and every day he'd watch as they absorbed people's pain. So I see people 
often coming to my great grandfather and my father they used to cry they used to scream Vijay did this for 18 years and then he left he couldn't take the emotional toll he hated that people would come to him and ask him to use tantric astrology for these evil reasons to lure a crush against their will or to put a curse on someone things that went against the ethics that his grandfather and father practiced so he fled he went to the UK he got a good job in fashion and marketing and merchandising but however far he ran he just couldn't get away my great grandfather he called me you might be in london these days but i will be dying by september 9 2009 and you are supposed to be here to take care of your father and uh, you cannot change your karma for him it was an act of devotion seeding his own dreams for his family because his love for his father and his grandfather was that strong but before he could accept the mantle his father had one final test for him you know i i wish to explain about an incident my great dad who taught me how to live and how to be ethically right uh, to have the good uh, rapport with people the only question he asked me when i will die i shudder when i hear this his dad wanted vijay to predict his time of death it feels cruel masochistic i mean there are things you just don't want to know and the idea of being forced to tell your parent when they're going to die let alone being forced to be accurate about it i can't fathom it but vijay's dad was asking him to put his craft over his emotion to tell his brain to eclipse his heart and i was uh, shattered i was just looking at him like that and uh, he told me now i'm a, i'm a new guru i'm your mentor i'm asking you you see and tell me vijay who'd already questioned whether this was the right line of work for his life for his happiness had to summon all his courage and look his father in the eye and tell him that uh, you'll have a cardiac arrest between uh, 5th of uh, march 2021 till 21st of march 2021 it was one of the hardest moments in vijay's life but for his dad it was everything he wanted for his son then my dad told me you'll be a uh, you know worthful person and you'll do great great things but unfortunately i lost my great dad who is my guru and my mentor on 8th of march 2021 on my lap i'm sure there are moments as an astrologer where you just don't want to be right and my heart breaks for him but in some strange way i also envy him vijay knew the exact moment his father would die he didn't have to watch his father writhing in pain wondering how long it would go on or make a decision about when to give him the morphine to let him go so i ask him about the power of his craft these remedies he uses to help other people and if he could have healed his father or possibly postponed that death if that is pre written in their chart no worship or no uh, you know remedies can save a life his glassy eyes betray the emotional distance an astrologer is supposed to keep But as he talks it occurs to me that I too am the bearer of a lineage the first son of a first son who was also desperately prayed for and what were the responsibilities I ignored and the duties I turned my back on that led me to this room here
Chapter 3 Back Scratch This is the main road to Jin House, but you'll never spot it unless you know where you're going. In fact, it's been so many years now that Suresh, the wonderful driver I've hired, and I have to pull over to ask for directions to landmarks nearby. Finally, we find this little gate with a watchman sitting, and then the long dirt drive into pure greenery. To me, Jin House has always felt like this secret garden, and it doesn't take long for the chaos of the business district to disappear behind you. The house probably isn't what you're expecting. It's a mid-century home, minimalist elegance in red and white, with a welcoming veranda and beautifully kept lawns and gardens. On one hand, the place is simple. It's just three bedrooms and a kitchen, with a center hall that works as both living and dining room. But it's set in this oasis. The veranda looks out onto this beautiful lawn, perfect for teas and receptions and badminton. The roof doubles as a dance floor or a launch pad for paper airplanes. Over the next few hours, I'll wander the grounds. The housekeeper who's been instructed to make me lunch, all of my favorites, will overfeed me the same way my grandaunt would have insisted. I'll laze on a couch and thumb through books because there are so many books here in every room. And I'll sit on the veranda just staring and thinking. Decades ago, I'd sit on this veranda in the early evenings with my grandfather when he'd break from his writing and pour himself a small peck of whiskey. And we'd trade stories as we watched out into the monsoons. This is where he told me to always carry a pen with me to make sure I could write down my ideas at any moment. It's something I still do. This is where I learned about how much he loved my dad, about how sometimes he'd squeeze him too hard because he couldn't express his love enough. And this is where I first heard the story about the back scratch. We all still tell it, I tell it, and this is how it starts. When my dad was just a kid, just seven or eight, my grandfather came in from out of town and sat next to him on a bed. Shanta, my sister, tells it. The story goes, Papa was traveling for work a lot and back and forth to Goa, so I don't think he was able to really be there that often. And so one day he came to visit Dad and they were sitting on the edge of the bed and just talking. Ruby, my kid, tells it. So when Anju was about seven or eight, he was lying in bed and his dad just came in from out of town and he came and he sat on his son's bed and Papa Aja said, To dad, you know, um, and I'm trying to be the best father, father I, can. I can. And it's hard growing up without mom. But is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything that's missing? He thought and he thought and he thought. And then he finally said, you know, I have this friend. Um, when his back itches, his mom comes and scratches it for him. And Papa Aja teared up and he starts scratching my dad's back, back for, for longer than, than the little tyke needed. Papa Aja was so heartbroken to hear that. Sat and he just, just thinking. Thought, my son's growing up without a mother. This is such a simple thing. This is the smallest thing I can do for you. And just sat and scratched his back. Chapter 4 
Chapter 4. Ashes. See it? It's February 16, 2023. We're on a boat on the Indian Ocean, not far from Colva Beach in South Goa. It's beautiful. It's where my dad used to spend his weekends as a kid. It's my mom, my wife, the kids, and my aunt, someone, all here together. And my dad, of course. We've got his ashes in a glorified shoebox that's printed to look like a clip art version of heaven, I guess. The waves are mild this morning and the water is so blue. We spot pods of dolphins frolicking in the waters and racing alongside us. Oh, look, dolphins. Wait, dolphins. Do you see them? There's this flock of seabirds flying in front. They stay just ahead of us, like they're pulling us away from the sun-kissed coast, threaded with coconut trees and into something even more serene. We don't talk. I look at my mom and aunt tearing up. My son Henry is crying and he's in Lizzie's arms. Meanwhile, Ruby thinks this is a joyride, arms up in the air. Aju wouldn't want us to be sad, as they put it. And Ruby's right in a way. After a few minutes of more intentional silence, where we sit, rocked gently by the waves and our feelings, my mom and I climb to the very back of the boat. She asked me to sing a chant, one she can't muster, one my dad loved. And we lean over the railing to say goodbye one final time. I still don't believe in astrology, but Dr. Vijay, the tantric astrologer I'd visited in Chennai, had told me I would carry my grief for seven more months. It would be seven more months before I'd finally be myself again. You will find a way to come out of this and you will not be like what you are that was August. It's the end of February now. By the time I'm back in the States, seven months will have passed. Chapter 5 The First Hardest Thing This is April 2022. Dr. Kumar's prediction about my father falling ill had come true, and I'd raced down to Atlanta a few times to be with him. But now, I'm saying bye to my dad as I head back to New York. This is him and his lazy boy with a bowl of pistachios on his stomach and a mystery paperback by his side. We are both smiling because the doctor has a plan. The chemo should give him three months there's a chance he'll have much longer. This is me getting a call that very same night, soon after my plane hit the tarmac at LaGuardia, that my father had to be rushed to the emergency room. This is him days later, still in the hospital, telling my sister that I can't, can't make, make you happy, happy and I can't, can't make you sad. sad. This is him holding my mom's hand, telling her over and over how beautiful she is, telling her she's always been his only. Holding your hand. Oh, I'm kissing it. 
so cute. This is me walking into the hospital to relieve my mom. It's my turn to spend the night with him. But my mom tells me that the fight is over, that my only mission is to bring him home so he can pass amongst his loved ones. This is me signing the form for hospice, knowing that when the morphine kicks in, it'll knock him out. These will be my last moments with him conscious. Do you know who's waiting at home for you? You don't know? Do you want to see Barkley? This is me shaving him one last time. I'm just going to shave a little bit on your face, okay? They're barber style. I use a warm washcloth to soften the supple. I gently lather his face. I take my time with each stroke. This is me putting my cologne on him. Do you remember that? Used to put aftershave on me. He used to laugh and joke and tell stories as I watched him shave as a kid. And then he'd spray a scent into the heel of his palms and rub them into my cheeks in tiny circles warning me of how it might sting. This is me playing him messages, an old going song from his sister and nephew, a message from my aunt Simone. My darling, darling brother Umesh, I love you so much, so, so much. Some whispers of things I needed him to know and hoping he hears. You know, you know we love you so much, right? Yeah? Mm. You know you're a wonderful dad. This is me in the back of an Atlanta ambulance, taking him home. This is me staring out into the traffic, collecting out the back window, caressing his hair, pushing it across his forehead, gripping his hand repeatedly, desperately, trying to communicate my love with each squeeze, not knowing what's getting through. This is me tracing my fingertips gently down his papery skin, kissing his forehead scratching his back gently for way too long because I still can. This is my friend AJ. All types of, uh, interesting Way back at the beginning of the show, he told me curiosity and gratitude are my two favorite virtues. And I agree. I think both lead to a richer life. There was always so much to be curious about, so much to be grateful for. But as I try, finally, to end this show, I keep thinking about another drive. In 2017, we'd just moved to Atlanta so I could take a job in podcasting. That Thanksgiving, we headed up I-95 to my cousin Shanta's to be with my parents and sister and cousins and dogs. Everyone was just so happy cooking together, making gingerbread houses, drinking cider, wandering through a farm to saw down the perfect Christmas tree. 
And then when the weekend was over and it was finally time to say goodbye and the anxiety of a new work week had started to settle in, Lizzie turned to me and she said, why don't we skip I-95? Why don't we take the long way home? That afternoon, we drove across Skyline Drive, the famous Skyline Drive, the one that stitches a path along the edge of the Blue Ridge Mountains as you drive through the Shenandoah National Park. At the time, our kids were seven and four, and back then, when they used to ask, how long till we get there? Lizzie and I would relay the time in episodes of the PBS show, Arthur. Like, it's five Arthurs till we're home, which meant two and a half hours. But somehow, on this 100-mile parkway, we didn't have to answer that question once. We just marveled at all the red and yellow painted across the treetops and the fog that rolled in and out across the blue and purple mountaintops and the way the light played favorites with parts of the valley below. And somewhere along the way, as the kids started to nod off and Lizzie squeezed my hand, and as we watched the sunset, I realized who I became in that moment in the driver's seat, steering an endless road, and I know who I can be. I don't have to waste time endlessly obsessing about the future. I can choose moments like this, the ones that make my heart leap. I can choose the long way home over and over and never regret it. And I can fill the time I have left because I understand how precious that time is with a series of skyline drives. I am a tall tree I weep like a willow My scars are hiding My branches don't show I am a tall tree With roots like a newborn Your wind is blowing And over I go storm cloud up in the distance a terrible omen a beautiful show so take me down easy take me down easy let me land softly back in your arms Oh man, I cannot thank you enough for listening to the show. Like all podcasts, our show grows through word of mouth. So if you liked Skyline Drive, tell a friend, post about it on social media, or write us a little review. We read them all because we are obsessives and a few of us are Geminis. And also, we just like the feedback. Also, there's been too much crying. So Anna, give us a dope beat.
Skyline Drive is a production of Kaleidoscope and iHeart Podcast. If you like the show, you should know my incredible team carried me across the finish line. So thank you so much to Mary Phillips Sandy, our supervising producer, Mitra Bunshahi, our producer, Mark Lotto, my story editor, and Anna Rubinova, who produced and elevated the sound of all of these shows, along with Dhruv Shivarao and Soundboard. I am truly indebted to all of you. Everyone keeps asking me about the theme song, Botany, aka Spencer Stevenson, wrote the gorgeous score for this season. Also, I'm so grateful to the musicians whose music lifted me in my very lowest moments before I started writing, including Himanshu Suri, who read the episode Warning, Mo and Azadi Records, Peter Matthew Bauer, Raginder, Alap Momin, Vinny Desai, Lush Life, Motor Sales, and James Henry Jr., whose stunning, stunning song closed out this episode. Also, my aunt Indu Gersape and my cousin Anand Gersape for singing that beautiful Goan folk song. Thank you to Suman and Arjun Bakshi, all the participants, Jean, Michelle, Annie, George, and our house astrologers, Dr. Kumar and Janelle Belgrave. The show is executive produced for iHeart by Nikki Etor and Katrina Norvell. Thank you to my partners at Kaleidoscope, especially Oz Wolishin, who encouraged me to tell this story and gave me the room to tell it as we co-founded this business. But also Kate Osborne and Costas Linos. Thank you to our investors and board for backing this crazy project. Thank you to Vahini Shori for managing the social media for this show on top of everything else. Special thanks to Ali, Nathan, Connell, Will, and Bob at iHeart. I want to give my family some extra love, but especially Lizzie and Henry and Ruby and also Sarah and Shanta. And as always, a big, big thank you to my Amma and my dad, Lalita and Omesh, who I thank my lucky stars for. I'm Mangesh Hatikadur. Thank you so, so much for listening. Sometimes I pass the fist, sometimes I stay sober, sometimes it's past the fit. Sometimes I'm hustling, sometimes I'm macking it. Sometimes I got the shit, sometimes I'm lacking it. Get low, man, there be too much vanity. How to live life with my life all dualities. This is how I look at man, this is my reality. Always confused, I could use more clarity. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.